Yay. All right. Bless you, man. Yay. Come on. Come on. You can do better than that. I came a long way. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So how's everyone doing? Right? We're ready to go to Africa at this point. I think that cute little kid. Like, come on. Uh, hey, uh, thanks for having me here. And uh, it really is good to be with you guys. And um, I was talking to Steve yesterday. We were having lunch and, and just chatting it up. And, uh, and uh, I, the thing that's cool for me is just... Uh, to be a little tiny bitty part of the miracle that is uh, Brookside. Like I, um, I, I live in San Diego, but I used to have it good and lived in Omaha. And uh, there, uh, and I was at uh, Christ Community Church. You know, there's a church down the freeway called that. Um, uh, for eight years as a student ministries pastor, and I, uh, I was friends with you guys then. And I, I remember, you know, I, I mean, it's a miracle what's happened. There's a couple of people. Stephen Becky had this. This, the faith to come and do this, and now, I mean, think how crazy this is. They're from that, there's some kid in Zambia that's going to live and thrive and know Jesus, and there's some of you that have had your life changed from like two people that took a step of faith a few years ago, and we're standing, right? I mean, we shouldn't take it for granted. You're, you're, you're not with me, are you? You shouldn't take it for granted that, that, that this is this, right? No? Okay, I don't take it for granted, so... Uh. Hey, uh, I don't need your cheap applause, uh, but I really want it. So uh, anyways, here's the deal. Um, I'm, I'm uh, happy to join your series uh, on following Jesus in a changing culture, especially like kind of speaking to some of the questions around, you know, some of the stuff that's happening, uh, gay marriage, LGBT kind of questions. And um, when uh, this first went down, I mean, uh, like, I, I love your team. I just want to say that, too. You guys just, you should really be thankful that you have really good people leading you. Like, people that love God, that are really, really walking with God. They really are. I mean, I, I know behind the scenes, and they're real. Like, they're, I listened to Steve's message last week, and I just, I loved it. It was so real. Like, a, like hey, here's my heart. You, you can see it. It's, and, uh, and we, I'll just say, you know, as somebody that hangs out with these guys, I'm just going to vouch for you that they're real and I'm, I'm happy to be a part of that. But when this, some of this stuff started to happen, it really didn't start to happen. It just kind of, that was one event of, of a thing. And, uh, you know, I was in conversations with all, all these guys. And, and so we, in California, it's a little, it's just, it's just a little different than here in the Midwest. Just a little. And, uh, and I, you know, and some of it is we have, like, you know, a few things. You guys have stuff we don't have. We have a few things you don't have. Uh, we have an ocean. Uh, uh, we have mountains. Um, and, and weather, you don't need a weather, you don't need a meteorologist, so we just get some nice looking person up there and they wave their hands around a screen and you just know whatever month it is, you know, it's, it's never going to rain and it's going to be sunny and, uh, we're burning up. That's all you know, right? The whole state's on fire. So, uh, but, but the thing is, um, this, there's, I guess culturally in the way that culture moves, we, we've been living in the, this for quite a while. So. I'm going to start with uh, just a, a reality for you guys, for us, that um, we shouldn't feel bad if something that's difficult, if we find it to be difficult, right? If there's a difficult thing and you go, man, this is bad. Well, of course it's difficult because it's difficult, right? And, and, but the other thing I want to say is we can do this. Like we, the church did really well the first couple of centuries when nobody agreed with them about much of anything. We did really well. It used to be that when people found a connection with Jesus, what they were doing before that was worshiping some 
some Zeus idol and having their worship service look like some weird orgy thing. I mean, that's, that's reality that, into which the gospel went originally. So they did it, and guess what? We are their children. We, we are them. That's us. Does that make sense? Nod your heads if that makes any sense. All right? If it doesn't, just pretend that it makes sense. But here's the deal. Um, back to my San Diego thing. You know, one of the things about our town, I hope you come and visit and, uh, it's, and, and everybody does, so come on up. I'll give you my address when we're done. And uh, the thing is, is there's hills and, and beaches everywhere. So San Diego is a place that there is no grid to the town. Everywhere you learn to go there, you have to learn by rote memory. Because there's, like I live in the site of, of Mount Miguel, and then but right behind me is Mount, a mountain called Mount Helix. And when I say mountain, they're like, 3,000 feet, and, uh, but, but, and then everything else, all the roads go around them and, you know, and, and all over, and then there's a shoreline that's not at all straight, and, and so you, but here's the deal, no matter how lost you get, you can always see Mount Miguel almost anywhere in San Diego, and you always know where the water is, so you kind of go, well, that kind of gives me some kind of stuff, and I think what I'd like to do this morning is, in uh, the way Steve set it up last week, is like, how do we have these conversations with people, like how, how do we live in a changing culture? How do we follow Jesus in a culture where, the, where maybe there's stuff that you think that the Bible says that people no longer agree with that perhaps they used to? Does that make sense? That kind of gets you an idea of what we're going to talk about? How do we do this? How do we have these conversations? This is going to be a really short sermon. Just write this down. I, I actually provided, asked them to have a fill-in-the-blanks outline for you. Is this. You just say this. Say, write this down. Ask Steve. Just tell him that. Right? All right? Ask Steve, all right, his number is 402, this is his cell, and day or night, day or night, I don't know. Um, you know, that would be cool, wouldn't it? Wouldn't you, I wish I could kind of do that. There's a friend of mine in Nebraska, he preached a really good sermon, you watch. But the fact is, here's the deal, you're going to have these conversations. You're going to have, the, right, you're aware of that, right? You, they, they, they're not going to ask Steve, they're not going to ask Ed. I don't even live here. They're definitely not going to ask me, right? I'm going to be on a plane in a few hours, and for good or for bad, you're going to either be blessed or cursed or something. But, I mean, I'm not going to have them. You're going to have these conversations. So how do we have them? And, and what do we say, right? And so the, what I'd like to give you are like, like, kind of like Ocean Mountain. All right, I, this, this is not the fine points of this. I'm not going to re-preach Steve's sermon and say this is what, you know, there's, last week we talked a little bit about about what the Bible says about, about this issue. What, is, what does the Bible say marriage is? You, you got that last week. We're not going to redo that. But I would like to talk to you like from a person that lives in a culture that's maybe, you know, I don't want to say anything too out of line, but maybe is where the thing's going, all right? And I'm going to give you three kind of like ocean, mountain, beach, kind of like places. Like I hope this is helpful, helpful and basic that will help you have conversations. And number one is this, and I put them on there, this is how we roll at church, and so they were really nice to let me feel comfortable. Um, and plus, I just enjoy bossing people around, so write this down. Uh, so number one, the, the first kind of like marker, the first like hopefully helpful tip in having conversations is this. We have to do this. This is, if you don't get anything else, you got to get this one, is get the right bottom line. You got to get the right bottom line. Some of you and a lot of your friends have asked, will ask church will and some of your friends will ask you okay just just bottom line what are you, what's the deal bottom just bottom line this for me 
I don't need your gobbledygook and uh, we get all, all the things in theology and stuff. Just bottom line this thing. Well, here's the problem, right? Is that sometimes what people are asking for, now listen to this statement. I just thought of this at a coffee place this morning. It could be the caffeine talking, but here it is. The bottom line, ready? This is really clever. The bottom line is not a line at all. For those of us that follow Jesus, remember the title? Like grab your thing and wave it. Okay, following What's his name there again? Uh, Help me out. Jesus, that's right. Following Jesus. When you're following Jesus, the bottom line is not a line. And if you, um, let's just go straight to the mouth of Jesus himself. Jesus tells us unequivocally what the bottom line is of of life, of everything, of every conversation. This isn't going to be a verse I'm guessing you've never heard before, unless you're new to uh, Jesus and church, and if so, Brookside's the kind of place you can figure that out in ways that make sense to you. And uh, here's what Jesus said. There, you've got, you guys probably have heard this. He, there, there was a question, and, uh, and, and this was in Matthew 22. This was towards the end of the life of Jesus. There was a series of questions coming at Jesus, and then one guy kind of finally gets around to asking a non-trap question and says to Jesus, teacher, what is the great commandment of the law? What is, this was their, the, a Jew, first century Jewish way of saying, okay, what is life all about? If you were there and you were kind of in this culture, you would have said, okay, what's, what's life all about, Jesus? Like, really, because they thought in terms of commandments and Torah, and that was their world. And so they said, of the Torah, what is supreme? And Jesus says, I'll tell you what's supreme. And this one wasn't a huge shock. Other rabbis had said this before. Is he started quoting the Shema of Israel. Shema, you guys have heard that. And since, you know, we just had uh, Rosh Hashanah and uh, Shabbat. You want to do it in Hebrew? Here you Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Right? Let's say this together. Vahavta et Yahweh Eloheka v'kal levavka v'kal nefeshka v'kal moldeka. Right? The hero Israel, the Lord is your God. The Lord is your one. And you shall love the Lord your God with everything you've got. My favorite one, can you get the next slide there, is with all your... Mind, and, and this is kind of a combo. In Hebrew, it's your me'od. And if you know what me'od means, it means your muchness. All of your, <clears throat> that's what you love your God with all your, <clears throat> right? So Jesus says that's the bottom line. Now here's the Jesus innovation. You need to hear this. You don't mess with the Shema if you're a Jewish person. There's some things you just don't mess with, right? You don't go in and blow your nose on the Torah and you don't mess with the Shema, Right? And so those are the only two rules. And, no, just kidding. There's lots of other rules. But Jesus added, and he said the second is like this. And there, up until Jesus, this, the verse before is in Deuteronomy 6. That's a fifth book in the Bible. This is from Leviticus. That's a, not even in the same book. And Jesus grabbed a kind of obscure verse and said, now here is the other bottom line. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And when he did this in Luke... The neighbor to whom he referred, there was a famous story that came out of this called the Good Samaritan. Is right, yeah, right? The Good Samaritan, where Jesus says, even those who are very much unlike you. The Samaritans were people with whom the Jews had profound disagreements. The Samaritans were, they were off. They were wrong. They were, they were going the wrong way spiritually and every other way. And they said, Jesus says, you want me to show you what I mean by that is that guy. Love that guy. Now, hear me on this, all right? You might say, well, here's my view, and, and uh, you know, and I, I like the way Steve said that last week. Or I, I wish he would have said it like this, whatever, okay? But what Jesus says is this. 
This, that's the great commandment. You go, well, what do we do? What do we do about this? I don't know everything about that. I'll say this. We definitely do this, because the next slide says this. On these two commandments depend, depend, it's this Greek word that means, uh, the Greek word is kredomai uh, or something like that, depends or literally, listen to this, hangs all the other commandments. In their brain, there were 613 commandments in, the, in the, what we call the Old Testament in the Hebrew Bible. Jesus said all 611 others are a riff on this. They're a kind of explanation of what it means to do that. So listen, here's what do. Since Jesus says that this is the bottom line, even with, it's like Samaritans. Then, and, and Paul says it like this. This isn't something with which Paul disagrees. Paul says, listen, um, you know, if whatever you do, if you don't, if it's not, if it's not about love, then guess what you are, Paul says. A noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. You're like somebody banging pots together. I wonder, just, just, I don't know if you feel me on this. I wonder sometimes if in our culture, in some people's eyes or some people's ears, we just sound like, like some of us or religious people just sound like noisy gongs clanging together. Because if, guess what? If they don't feel loved, if, they don't, if we're not loving our neighbor as ourselves, all kinds of neighbors, our gay neighbor, our straight neighbor, our, our, our whatever neighbor, if we're not loving our neighbor as ourselves, then guess what we sound like? Noisy gong, clanging cymbal, and Jesus says, listen, all the other commandments depend on that. Paul said in another place, whatever you do, do in love. Whatever, you do, whatever you're going to do, that's 1 Corinthians 16, 14, whatever you do, do in love. Listen, friends, this one, we can't mess this up. This is the one we can't mess up. Like, like there's no question to me. I, I've kind of come to grips with this. Um, we will be misunderstood in our culture. We will. The first, you should read some of the stuff that, uh, like, you ever heard of Celsius, not Celsius, uh, Celsius, the, he was a first century or second century atheist that was kind of attacking the Christians, a Roman guy. And, and I'm just, I was re, I've read a little bit of him, and he's, He's like, man, he, I'm like, he didn't even get it. He's attacking something he doesn't even understand. Have you ever had friends like that, people that aren't Christ followers, that like they start, they have criticisms and go, you don't really even get this, do you? Now, let's just know that's going to happen, all right? But like there's some things you can't miss, and they can't miss this. If they do, it's on us. So let's make sure they don't miss that one, right? So, so our first thing, like ocean, mountain, okay, this where's my... Where's my, where's my, how am I orienting here? Well, number one is, okay, that, that's the ocean. Can't miss that. It's like Jesus says, we have to get the right bottom line. Here's something Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount a little earlier. He said, let your light shine before men in such a way that they would, they would see your good works. And it, here's what I like, uh, like you to see. To see this good works thing, it's, it's this word kala erga. And when you, somebody who has the ability to write like beautiful like script like stuff on a paper what do we call that that art form say it louder calligraphy the word kalos means beautiful that they would see your listen to this this is, makes it all different they would see your works of beauty there's something see jesus's plan was not that we would have the the slam it down drop the mic arguments jesus plan was that we would be people of beauty and you can argue with what we think and you can argue with our views and stuff like that but here's what you can't argue with you can't argue with a starving kid in zambia that now this church is feeding you can't argue with us a, a broken city that we're serving see jesus said listen you don't have to win the arguments 
but you do have to be known for love. You have to, when people see your works, see their, beauty's not something you can argue with. Beauty's just something you're drawn to. You're just drawn to it. You just, oh. That's Jesus' plan. So here's a hopefully helpful tip number one is you, we got to get the right bottom line, okay? Are we good? We're still good? Nod your heads if we're still good, all right? All right, some heads are not nodding. Okay, well, for the rest of you that are still with me, all right, number two is this. When we talk about this issue, here's, let me make this suggestion. So that's the beach, here's the mountain. Think and talk about Imago Dei. I'm going to teach you a new phrase here. Can we all say this together? Imago Dei. Say it with me. Come on. One more time, just please. Mmm, yeah, that's beautiful. Imago Dei. Think and talk Imago Dei. I told you this is going to be kind of basic. This is not like super advanced, complicated. This, <laughs> this is on page one of the Bible. Like, can we just read page one? Like, right? That's not asking too much. One page, all right? The Bible's got a lot of pages. All I'm saying is, can we go to number, we're going to number one commandment and number one page, page one, Imago Dei. You guys have probably, if you've been around church, you haven't. If, you, if you're new to church, this is a really important thing for you to understand. That God, it's right there on your little thingy deal that I, you know, so kindly made sure you had. It says this, that God created them in the image, or God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Okay, do you see that? Is that? That's on there, right? Am I right? Thanks. All right. That's what you sound like to me. All right. So, uh, yeah, God, listen, look at this. This is the first thing. When God creates man, he creates them. In, in Hebrew, it's Selem Elohim. All right. And in, in uh, we, at Journey, we use the phrase, the Latin phrase, Imago Dei. And, but in the New Testament, Paul calls this, the writers of the Bible call this the icon theu, the icon. God looks at people and says, they are my icon. Do you know, did anybody like grow up going to a church with icons in it? Like icon, you know what, so you know what an icon is, right? All right. And then we have other like less technical uses of the word icon. Like there's like a, you know, like Michael Jordan is an icon of, of basketball or, a, you know, a, you know, whatever. Like you get that, right? An, an icon. We're made as icons of God. I, um, let me, can I have that? Do you guys, I think, have a verse up there, Genesis, the next one? Boom. God created man in his own image. In the, in the image of God, he created him. And, and then God's, this is, this is kind of an interesting thing. Male and female, he created them. So here's the deal. This word here for man, see that? See my finger? That's my finger right there. There's, that's pointing towards man. God created man. The word is Adam. That's a non-gender word. God created humans, and then what he did is he took the Adam and he split it, as it were. Yuck, yuck, yuck. Uh, kind of nerd <laughs> physics humor, right? And, uh, and he split it into male, into Ish and Isha, the man and the woman. Adam became Ish and Isha. That's part of, of the image of God. And so there's a very real sense. Now listen to this. This is getting a little, little out there, but, but it's, it's so critical. Is this frames, hear me, this frames the rest of the Bible. If you don't get a good snoot full of this and you don't breathe this deeply into your lungs, the rest of the Bible is going to be a little incoherent to you because it's the whole thing is, the tragedy is this, is that you and me are created as icons of God, as Salem Elohim, as, as the very image of God. God looks at us and he looks at us and sees that's my icon there. It's very much like I look at my, 
my grandson now, I, I have my, our first grandson. I know I look way too young. And uh, <laughs> don't laugh. That's not a laugh moment right there. That's a yes, Ed, yes, you do. But, you know, there's this look. I just see a little bit of my daughter in him. And I see my son-in-law. And I just like, oh, this melts me, right? And mine's really cute. That's why that happens. But uh, the deal is, you see, God, in this phrase right here, male and female, right? Here's what this is saying is that, are you ready? God put the message in your body. The message of the gospel is in your body. The, your gender parts, I know we have kids in the audience, your gender parts contain the gospel. They say you were made for the other, something that is not you. So this is, there's a sense, Paul says this very clearly, he says, listen, when he talks about marriage and blah, 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 and he said in Ephesians 5, he goes, but I'm not really talking about, you know, that. I'm talking about that. I'm talking, he goes, this mystery, Paul says, is great, but I'm speaking in reference to Christ and the church. And so when we speak to people, listen, when we talk about sin, here's a famous verse on sin, right? I think you might, some of you might know this. It's in Romans 3.23. All have sinned. Anybody know this? Just say it with me. All have sinned and fall short of what? The glory of God. See, what we're talking about with people when we talk about sin is that the tragedy that you fell short of glory. You were made for glory. This is not, listen, when we talk, let me say this and give you the fill in and then I'll, I'll ramble on. God is in the business of recruiting redeeming and restoring the Imago Dei and his plans. Oh, this is, this is muy importante, friends. And his, should, do you guys have that up there? I think there should be a slide of that up there. And God is in the business, this goes in those fill in the blanks. God is in the business of recruiting, redeeming, and restoring the Imago Dei. And his plans is for human beings to say this word with me. All right, don't do it. And then I, I command you not to say it. <laughs> right? and, and his plans is for us to flourish that's the point the tragedy is that we fell short of glory that's what sin means is to fall short there's a verse in James I've actually shared this with our uh with your high school people a lot it's like James says to him who knows the right thing to do and does not do it to him it is sin and that's one of those rare situations in which our English translation really hurts us because what James actually says to him who knows hakalas Remember I taught you that word? To him who knows the beauty and doesn't do it, oh, what a waste. It's not like, oh, man, here's a line, and God says, listen, I'm just telling you, you cross that line, and you've crossed me, and, and I tell you, we're going we're gonna to have words. No, God looks at people made in his image and goes, oh, no, whatever you do, whatever God says for us to do is about flourishing. God wants people to flourish because we were designed in his image. And he says, this is how I made you. And yet, right, it's never arbitrary. It's never arbitrary. And yet the imago Dei in us is horribly broken, right? I mean, you know that from your own life. You know that from five minutes in your own skin. If you've ever been married, you're like, whoa, that imago is pretty darn broken there. <laughs> All the ladies are saying yes, amen. And right? And uh, so the best plan for any marriage is to look at your spouse and say, 
I will fix you, right? That's what you do to have a, no, right? That's the best plan for a miserable and long and painful life, right? Because we just look at somebody, even like the, the person that we're doing life with, and the idea of trying to fix them is like a silly impossibility, right? We're in need of it, but we just can't do it. So here's what we understand, that no one and nothing is excluded. All of us, and I think there's this, there it is, all of us, Every part of us needs to be redeemed by Jesus. There is nobody in this room that, doesn't, that has any part of them that doesn't need the redemption of Jesus. Paul says it this way in Colossians 3.10, we have put on a new self who is being in the process of being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. So as a community, here's what we say. Here's our word to the, to the sexually confused culture that we live in. We too are in need of the redemption of Jesus. Would you like to join us on a journey of redemption? God is redeeming our sexuality too. Ours is pretty darn broken. And, and yours is and mine is. So Jesus, would you in your mercy redeem that as you redeem every part of me? Paul said it this way in 1 Thessalonians. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely your spirit and soul and body and Paul wasn't given like a three-part human thing he said he was like hey, it's the whole thing everything needs redeemed so there's I'm gonna I, I don't think I have to, nah, I'm gonna do it so last week um, I'm gonna just give you one more thing before we go to the third point last week Steve dove into Matthew 19 and uh, where Jesus' question the question on divorce right and I just want to show you, I don't want to redo that because he handled it great. I just want to show you something that's kind of another kind of take on this, kind of like how do we have this conversation. So I think we have Matthew 19 up there. Look at Jesus. Some Pharisees came to Jesus testing him and asking him, it is lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any cause at all. There's a thing going on, this debate between Hillel and Shammai, these two schools of people going, oh, I think this. And here's what they were debating. And if you want to do the research on this, Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 1 Moses said this, you can't just chuck your wife out the door. I'm, this is a paraphrase. He didn't use the word chuck. Um, so uh, you're probably figured, hmm, I don't recall reading that. Ed. Okay, you can't just ditch your wife, right? If you divorce your wife, if a man finds an uncleanness in his wife, he has to write her a certificate of divorce so she has a shot at getting remarried because it's a financial, equitable, societal, just thing. So if he finds an ervet, say ervet just for fun, ervet, that's the Hebrew word, an ervet, then he can write her the thing and send her on her way, all right? Of course, the women couldn't do that, but that's another story. So off, now here's the deal. There was much debate on what the ervet meant, the word ervet in Deuteronomy 24. Does it mean a sexual thing where she's like out running around on him, or does it mean that he, she just stops being cool or just he I don't know just he just tired of her and and one of the rabbis was like yeah it's pretty much anything any cause at all for any cause right and uh the other rabbi said no it's only this guess what was more popular with the men <laughs> anyone want to take a wild guess at that right the any cause at all right and so Jesus notice what he does Jesus says have you not read. To be a Pharisee, you had to have memorized the entire Old Testament. And, and you can see how it grinded on these guys when they were like, you, you, you fellas probably haven't read page one, right? <laughs> Pahina uno. 
all right? Haven't you read page one? He created them from the beginning, and he made them male and female. Jesus has taken them all the way back, listen to this, and he's recasting this vision for ikontheu, for oneness. Jesus is saying, you're, you're asking me for a ruling on a word, and what you've lost is a vision for human flourishing. You don't get this. You think that you, we're just trying to decide where the line is. Okay, here and not here and here and not here. Jesus says, listen, that's the wrong way to think about this. Jesus, by the way, if you read the Gospels, he did this all the time. People said, okay, Jesus, we need a ruling. And Jesus says, well, I'm not giving you a ruling. Here's what I'm going to give you, a vision. Here's a, just a little thing, just a little tip on how we talk to people in general. If we want to follow Jesus, I mean, if you just want to win an argument, I, I mean, I'll, that sermon is the next hour, so stick around. But the, if you want to follow Jesus here, that was really funny and nobody laughed. But uh, you, here's what you do. You have to, there's a principle. This might or might not make sense. This was a, he wanted a mitzvah, a ruling. And here's what Jesus always did. He did vision before mitzvah. I think that's a slide you guys have, right? The vision before mitzvah. In other words, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure in a field. And it's like a guy finds the treasure and he sees its value. And then, what does he do? This is Matthew 13, 44. He sells everything for joy so he can get the treasure. Imagine going to somebody, anybody, and saying, you know, uh, you know all the stuff you really like? Imagine going to, since we're talking about LGBT questions, imagine going to somebody, you know this person you've been with that you think you love? Well, that's wrong. And so you need to walk away from it. Now listen, you may end up saying that to somebody. But what Jesus would, I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you, right? Uh, what Jesus always did, I'm not sure, I don't want to put you know, words in his mouth, but what Jesus always did was give the vision before he gave the mitzvah. Give the vision before he said, now, okay, so sell everything you have. A vision of eternal life here. You find this treasure in the field, and then when the guy goes and sells his car and his house and his, all his possessions and his, you know, all his surfboards, and they're like, dude, those, you love that board. Yeah, 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 whatever, shut up, get away from me. I've got to sell this, right? Because I want that treasure. Once he'd seen the treasure, everything else was like, well, whatever. Vision before mitzvah. Tim Keller, uh, some of you might have heard of him. He's a famous, very cool and smart pastor. He says this, that Freud said that, re um, that religi religiosity is pent-up sexual desire. Close. Sexual desire is pent-up religiosity. Sexual desire is pent-up spirituality. See, the treasure. There's treasure. So there's two things. So the first is this. First is we've got to get the right bottom line. Second, we've got to talk in terms of Imago Dei. And number three is this phrase. This is like... This is, this is, we've had numerous conversations. This is your church, like it or not. This is our church, like it or not. Come as you are. And guess what? I'm going to, ready? Drum roll. Can we get a drum roll in the back of the seats? Is that possible? Come on. All right. This is Jesus' church, like it or not. Some of you did not drum roll, and I, I'm okay with that. But Jesus, this isn't me talking. This is Jesus says, come to me. All of you, I think it'll be on the screen, right? I'm going to go this way and maybe that'll put it back on the... There it is, boom. See the magic of walking backwards. Uh, Jesus said this, come to me, all of you that have it together, that already agree with us, that have, your, that have your ducks in a row, that pretty much have a life that won't embarrass anybody, come to me. Oh, I'm right, duh. That's just silly. Come to me, all you busted up, weary, burdened down with your crud and your... Ugh. And I'll give you rest. And then he says, and I want you to, 
I'm inviting you guys to be my rabbinical students. The rabbis, here's what they did. They picked the best people, the smartest. Even to this day, it's not easy <laughs> compared to being a pastor. <laughs> but I mean, it's hard. They, you know, it's like, man. But Jesus said, I'll take you losers, you messed up people, you people with deep issues and confused issues. I, I say, come to me, all of you who are weary. Even, even if you're weary, it's because you don't get it. You don't know this. You, you disagree with me. Come. come. Listen, we, we, my church and your church, we need to be a safe place to come as you are. See, here, here's the thing, right? This just really gets me. It's, it's, it's true and I hate it. But when the average secular person thinks about church, does he immediately go, oh, now there's a place I can be myself. There's a place I can bring all my real crud and really just there, dump it out there and everybody's going to go, yeah, I get it, man, your story. See, here's the question. We, we, is somebody's story, as is, welcome amongst us? Because guess what? What are the options to come as you are? What, like say, well, I, I don't know about come as you are. Well, what are your options? Um, come as you're not. That's what most of us do. Come as you pretend to be. Come as you think other people want you to be and fake it. That's what we usually do. That's what I do a lot. I, I try not to. But I, or don't come. I don't know about you, I'm not cool with saying don't come because Jesus said come. So I'm, I'm kind of wanting to be kind of like, okay, come, I guess I better say it too. Does that make sense? Here's, let's skip to 1 Timothy 1, 15. It says, there's a trustworthy statement deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save righteous, awesome, cool, moral people, right? That's what he did. Yay, Jesus, for saving us moral people, okay? No, he came to save, say it with me. Say it one more time because some of you don't mean it enough. He came to save. Mm, come on. He came to save. There you go. <laughs> you said that like you meant it. Uh, and guess what? When, when you gather a bunch of sinners, do you know what you end up having in your midst? A bunch of sinners. And you know what they do? They make a mess. That's what I've found. In our church, we have lots of sinners. Other than my wife and myself, we have lots of sinners. We have a couple of perfect people, us. So I talking to Steve and I said dare I tell this story and he goes I commend you to tell this story and so I'm I'm going to tell it so we we say come as you are and 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 for whatever reason people at our people in San Diego are taking journey church and I think this is happening in Brookside they're taking us up on it we say it and they go all righty I'm coming and so there's all kinds of stories at journey that are Anything from funny to bizarre to weird. We have atheists that come to our church going, I don't really agree with this, but find it interesting. Okay, come as you are. You know, I don't believe any of the Bible stuff that you say, but you seem to, you know, sometimes you're funny or your band's good or whatever. Okay, come as you are. And we have people that are, uh, that are lesbian, that are gay, that are whatever, come into our church and we say, yes, come as you are. Come, right? So um, there's a couple that is illegally married in the state of California their names are Melissa and Jessica. And so uh, we do a thing every summer at, in Palm Springs. And it's hot in the summer in Palm Springs. But we can get five-star hotels at, at cheap prices. And it's a married couples retreat. Can anybody kind of guessing where the story's going? Anybody want to take a while guess? Okay. So we have a married couples retreat. And we had a video like, uh, hey, come to a married couples retreat. And you know how you're all screwed up? Well, we'll fix you. And uh, in one weekend, you'll just, it'll be perfect. And, uh, and, and it works. You should try it. But uh, so uh, 
they came up to the table where we were signing people up and said, we'd like to sign up for the married couples retreat. And our poor guy that's back there, volunteers, like, uh, um, uh, okay, uh, I, I'm going to go get Ed. <laughs> so I read that, right? So fortunately, thank God, he couldn't find me. And uh, so uh, um, that was awesome. So we essentially promised to get back to them. And uh, they said, when we talked to, Jessica said, well, Melissa has terminal cancer. She's got a few months to live. This is kind of our last thing we'd like to do. We think this might bring us closer to God. Can we go on the retreat? The speakers that year were me and my wife, and we were going to speak on the meaning of marriage and the sacrament of the male and female. And I, there's a part of me that said, man, I just think I'd love for them to hear this. But our conclusion was we, and I'm going to just be really honest with you for a change. Uh, we bumbled this. We were late getting back to them. I, I'm embarrassed at how crummy we handled it, like in just, bleh, just like total nitwits. But we got back to them and said, you know, um, this isn't the answer you probably wanted, but here's what we think marriage is. We think marriage is a man and woman, and that's, so we're doing, our retreat is going to look like this, and, and bleh, <laughs> that's about the best we did. And somehow we handled it with enough, we had enough love in the bank or something that they said, okay, uh, and they kept coming to our church. Because we said to them, please keep coming to Journey. We want you to come. So it just so happens that a guy on, on my board, on the board, and who I work out with, obviously I work out, and uh, <laughs> that really hurt my feelings that you laughed right now. <laughs> the, a guy said, uh, he, he, he gets his hair cut by Jessica, the healthy one, the one that doesn't have cancer. And uh, so he was in, he kept saying as he would get his hair cut, and he kept, started going more often because he felt like he needed to talk to Jessica goes, you know, Ed would come out and be happy to pray with you guys and pray for, for Melissa. She'd be happy to do that. And she's like, well, oh, well. And then she got on hospice, and she didn't have long. And he said, um, he said, you know, Ed would, Ed would be happy to come. And she goes, all right, can you have him come this Thursday or uh, this Wednesday it was? And he goes, uh, <laughs> you know, he doesn't know my schedule. He goes, yes, he'll be there. And so they, he said that, and I, we just so happened to have our pastor meeting on Wednesday, and I said, dudes, get in the car. We're all going. Like, we're not, I'm not going. We're all going. We're going to overwhelm them with love and with, like, prayer. So let's go. And it was like, they live in this tiny little place, and it was like a, like a circus clown car. Like, all these, instead of clowns, it was pastors getting out. And some of you go, no jokes there, instead of, all right, yeah. yeah right? So... We get out there, and we're all sitting around her bed, and she's got oxygen and all that stuff. And she's, uh, when, when I first met her, she's a pretty large girl, and now she's like, she looks like, like this, right? So, and uh, so I sat there, and I'm sitting there holding her hand, and we're talking, and she said this to me. She goes, I'll, ne I, I could, I'll quote this till the day I die. She said, you know, I've always been really resistant to religion. And then she stopped, and she took a couple breaths, and she goes, man, but there's something about the way you talk about God. And she said, and then she smiled at me, and she goes, come as you are, right? <laughs> and I'm like, absolutely. And then she gathered her strength, and she raised her arms like this. She sat up and said, I'm opening my life to the light and love of Jesus. 
come into me, Jesus. And I'm like, don't clap, don't clap. Well, eh, it's hard not to clap. I, I'm sorry. So I'm there, uh, you know, I'm being a, you know, pillar of emotional strength. I, I have to do everything I can to not just ball all over the place, right? And so I'm walking out of there, and we prayed, and everybody's like, what just happened? So uh, her, she's a Puerto Rican woman. Her mom came to me and said, you know, uh, and by the way, I mean no offense to any traditional denomination or anything. Mom said to me, she was, uh, she was baptized Catholic, and I always wanted her to have a Catholic funeral, but would you do the service? Because she found God at your church, so could, would you do that? And I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah, what? Yeah, of course. I love funerals. <laughs> no, no, I didn't say that. But um, so, okay, now I'm going to just kind of be real Ed, if that's okay. If not, I'm leaving in four hours. So, uh, so I'm sitting there at this funeral, and I'm sitting there, and they're showing video of their wedding, and there's all these people talking about different stuff, and I got to be, I'm being just totally honest, I would like to say that just like Jesus, I was always comfortable amongst the, I wasn't. I was like, you know, just kind of going. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, Jesus, what, what's going on here? And I felt the Lord spoke to me very clearly and said, do you just want to hang around people you agree with all the time? Is that kind of how you want to do life? And you know how it's funny when God asks you a question, he's really not searching for information, right? It's not like he's going, you know, I'm wondering something, Ed, if you could help me with this, right? And I'm like, okay, I get it. I get it. So here's the deal. Whenever I think about this issue, I feel compelled that like God has given me this verse. I threw it in here today. It doesn't really fit the context, but Isaiah said this, and I think this is how we should roll. Like a shepherd, he will tend his flock, and in his arms he will gather the lambs, and he will carry them in his bosom, and he will gently lead the nursing ewes. I just think this is the word of the Lord for us as a community. Let's do this. Can we do this? Can we do this? I think we can do this. I, I don't think people will object to this. You think they'll object to that? I don't think so. So I'm going to pray for you. I'm, I'm a little over time, and so I'm going to, I think Rob's coming back up. Am I right about that? So uh, can, I, can I have you guys stand up with me and... Uh, since I've been making you uncomfortable, I'm going to keep doing it. And uh, so uh, just stand up, please, if you don't mind. And if you'd close your eyes, we're going to pray. I'm going to pray over you if that's okay. And uh, I'm going to ask you to do something. We do this all the time in our church. Um, but uh, can I ask you, as your eyes are closed, if you would just extend your hands. When Jesus would pray, he'd never fold his hands and bow his head. He would always, that's the Jewish way to pray. You go, oh, I'm a little uncomfortable with this. I get that. Do it anyway. All right, just kind of stick your hands out and just, you know, this doesn't have to be about, it's about you and God. Just receive from God. Receive from God right now. And Jesus is saying this to us. Will you trust me? Will you guys trust me? I've promised to be with you. I've promised that. I'm not going to leave you as orphans, Jesus said. Just trust me. And then just do this. Just whisper back to Jesus, yes. Yes, I'll trust you, Jesus. I'll trust you when I don't know what to do. I'll trust you when I don't know what to say. I'll trust you. May the Lord give Brookside the grace.
to trust Jesus. In his name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Ad. Thank you. Perfect. Yay. Thanks, buddy. Oh, good. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks.